Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Horton. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to a special edition of the Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports. Uh, Today, we've got a special guest with us. Uh, Dr. Kevin Dyson joins us uh, on the show tonight. We're going to talk about a few things going on uh, in his life, talk about some some past experience, really get into some things. Kevin, how you doing, man? Uh, Man, I'm maintaining, trying to stay warm like everybody else. Uh, My daughter, who lives just outside of Houston, uh, she texted me earlier today saying she's been without heat and water for about two days Oof. our house is down to about 45 degrees so i'm hoping that she she finds some warmth somewhere yeah it, it's kind of it, these southerners we're not you're not used to this we've got some texas friends too they're dealing with this with the power grid the the rolling blackouts and everything like that so it's just it's kind of rough times for a lot of people there uh but you you grew up with some of this this cold weather uh back in your childhood so you should be used to this right have you been have you been down here enough you've kind of forgotten how to, how to live with this snow and ice that one. I've been out here so long, I almost <laughs> forgot, man. Like, I went out uh, yesterday late afternoon and start shoveling my driveway, and people looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, but I, that's that old habit. You know, you get to it before it gets to be too bad, before you can't even get to it. And so I, I got the first layer off, knowing it was going to snow again today and possibly again Thursday. And uh, I'll shovel again tomorrow, trying to get that this layer off and uh, see how the weekend goes. Because if you can't get your car into the into your driveway, into your garage, man, what's the point? So that's why I try to get to it as soon as I can. Yeah, my brother, uh, he lives in Minnesota now, and he, he took his Southern Bell wife from Mobile, Alabama, to, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that's been a new way of life of him is shoveling driveway so much that he spent, like, I think it was $1,800 or something. I can't remember what he paid for it to get, like, a little snow plow just for his driveway because he, he, he went through one season shoveling that. He goes, my back is too old for this. I'm never doing that again. So I, I can't really blame him there. That's just a different way of life up there. Yeah, I'm going to admit my back is sore. It's been tight all day. Man, you're just using a different muscle group than you normally use, man. I, I came in, I woke up this morning, and I felt like I was – I felt my age. I felt 45. For the first time in a long time, I felt my age, man. Yeah, this weather stuff will kill you. I, I know that Jonathan's been taking his kid sledding. I mean, I mean, he can probably tell a little story about uh, throwing his kid down a hill, or not him, but his kid sledding down a hill. I, I, I'm sore from from pulling my girls around the driveway. We've got a creek out back. I don't want to throw them down too far into the hill. They'll get they'll get down there in the creek, and who knows what. So, Jonathan, have you been able to take your you've been able to take your kids uh, sledding too, right? Oh yeah, he's a little psychopath, so we try to tire him out so we can actually go to sleep at night. Um, but yeah, I tell you, you mentioned it though. It's it's never you can still go lift weights probably with the best of them, still be okay. It's the weird things. It's the shoveling. It's the oh, I'm gonna go, uh, you know, actually cut outside and do something. Those are the ones that you wake up like, oh, okay, there it is. That's where I'm starting to feel it. Yeah, Man, I, I remember last spring when we first started the pandemic. I did stuff around the house like I tilled the yard, I aerated, I, I put seed down. It took me about two weeks to recover from two days of serious yard work, man. I hadn't had to do yard work in so long. I was like, man, this is why I pay people to do stuff like this, man, because I was hurting. But like you said, I go lift weights all day long. Man, you get your normal muscle soreness after a couple of days that's gone. Man, I'm telling you, man, I, I had the hardest time getting out of bed this morning after <laughs> shoveling. Not even my whole driveway at that. You know what I mean? Just enough to get the car in the garage. Oh, 
Yeah, people come ask you like, oh yeah, well how you feel? I got into a fight. There <laughs> was a fight, uh, just something. The other guy was even worse, but yeah, yeah, that shovel. I mean, that dude is real bad. Off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that's definitely what what everybody's got going on right now in the area in the Nashville area dealing with this this weather and and. and you know, people driving around. It's a little better driving around today. I've noticed a few more cars out in our neighborhood. Yesterday, it was just a solid sheet of ice. So nobody was going anywhere. Um, but speaking of going places in life, I know that you've had been through some some changes here recently. Just want to bring up anybody listening. Uh, I introduced you as Dr. Kevin Dyson, and that's where you are. Let's talk about that a little bit, about your journey. Uh, you started out, we, we coached at Independence High School together. You started out there getting your feet in on the ground into administration, into teaching, and then going from that, it's been quite a journey for you. What's been, uh, what's that been like kind of stepping away from the football shadow and in more to a leadership role within a school? Oh man, I, I don't even know where to start with it. Cause it was nothing that I, I think I intended to do, uh, when I retired from the NFL, I, I think, you know, like most, you know, when you've been doing something for so long and it's such a big part of your life that, you know, when you, when it's over, there's that period of, and, and, you know, and we talk about it later, but I, I'm writing a book and in one of the chapters in my book, I talk about how retiring from the NFL is similar in my opinion to the step 12 step process of overcoming addiction. Um, there's, there's moments of, of uh, doubt, there's uh, fear, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's, you know, then there's their acceptance, then there's that, that what am I do next? And so when I when I transitioned into, I guess second phase of life, if you will, you know, football was a natural fit. I mean, that's what I had been doing for so long, and and I knew I had a lot to give to that. So I never had any intentions into the path that I'm at now. Um, but I got in. I knew I wanted to be in some sort of role of leadership, and I didn't know what that meant. Was it just be a coordinator, or be a head coach? Uh, maybe get into an athletic director role. And I kind of did all of the above. I've, I've, I've coordinated, I became a head coach and an athletic director, you know, and then life happens. You know, I had kids before I got married and got married and now we got little kids and, you know, and so my priorities shifted again. And so, uh, you know, I was coaching other people's kids and, 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 you know, both of y'all have coached with me. Uh, we dealt with, not just the kids you deal with their parents. I mean, I remember one time me and you were walking up the, up the hill and one kid who missed practice for however long hadn't been at a practice was a senior and didn't start and didn't play until garbage time. And he basically called you a, a, a butthole when I'm keeping PG <laughs> and told me I didn't know my, my butt from my, from my right. hand and, and stuff like that, that can really hamper your love of the game was seemed to be more and more and more. It was interesting dynamic when I was an assistant coach. I seemed to be a genius. Former Tennessee Titan knows what he's talking about. I became a head coach and nothing changed for their kid who was the same athlete even before the coach before me. And yet now I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I was having moments like that. And I can probably give you another example right before we played Mount Julie in the playoff game of a kid who didn't show up to practice and went to go hang out with his girlfriend and the, that parent calling me, telling me, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm hurting the kid's future. And so I just was losing some of that, that love of the game a little bit. So when I got an opportunity to go to uh, administration full-time, um, Dr. Clark Harrell at Stewart's Creek high school, he, um, he caught me at the right time. You know, I was having somewhat of a hangover from a long season of dealing with stuff outside of football. 
And you know what? If he asked me a month later, I'd probably still be coaching, you know, uh, up until whatever point I decided to make that transition. But uh, I wouldn't have ended at that time. I had a good team coming back. In fact, I had two division well, shoot four Division One football players. Ones that in, is in the NFL. One that should be in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, and I knew what I had coming back, and I was going to have a chance to make a run for a title. But it was just as I talked to one of my coaches, Red Roberts. Y'all both know. I went to him, and he said, "Kevin, kids come and go. Opportunities don't. Right? You know, will this opportunity be here when Big Warden? I'll throw his name out there. Is gone because that was my godson, and I wanted to coach him. And I was like." Thanks. I went to Vic, told him I was leaving. He said, man, you got to do what you got to do. And the rest is history. And I just kind of been making moves ever since. Yeah, we, we all kind of have those decisions. And, and Jonathan, I don't know if you have anything that can relate to that, but that's that's some big stuff trying to walk away from something you've been doing for player and coach for so long, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I – mean, everybody has a different path of how they get there, but um, that – your path was, you know, you'd done that for so long. My Mine was I had made decisions to pursue the coaching aspect and did, decided not to go down the typical, you know, I can get into some good schools and go do that. It's like, no, I'm going to go coach high school football, um, which maybe that means I'm just an idiot. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, – but you, like you said, you have to find those opportunities and you, you don't choose when those come to you. Like you, it, when, when opportunity knocks, sometimes you got to answer and, because it may not come again. Well, interestingly enough, man, I, I think sometimes uh, your passion, if you will, find you. I think sometimes we get into our mindsets of what we think we want to do, and then life happens, and then you find your passion sometimes inadvertently. You find, and me and Ryan were talking about this earlier, uh, about sometimes, you know, based on circumstance, you might actually find, man, I'm good at this. Oh, I want to do this. Interesting, like, we're talking on this podcast and you all have been doing this for several years. I think this is the second time I've joined you all and I'm about to do something similar. And I would have never have thought of myself doing something like this even two years ago. And it just shows you the growth of an individual as you get a little bit older and, and your priorities shift and, and things uh, as you get learn and get more information about certain contents or certain aspects of your life that you can grow in different aspects. And so you know, I, I'm very fortunate. I've, I've had good people around me, um, you know, in a lot of respects and giving me opportunities. And hopefully I haven't let anybody down. But along that way, I've, I've learned a lot about myself and what I've learned. Even I wish, of course, everybody wish they can go back to the 16 year old. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, if we could do that, man, ooh, we'd save us a whole lot of trouble. But, you know, but I have learned in past 30 years through experience, man, is I can. You know, and as simple as that is, is when I was a kid, I, I, I never considered myself uh, smart or intelligent. I did just enough uh, to get my grades uh, so I can play sports. My mom said I had to have a B average, get a 3.0. And guess what? I got my 3.0. I would navigate my schedule. If I knew I was going to struggle in chemistry, I would make sure I got PE alongside it so I can balance that out. Right. You know what I mean? And I never extended myself academically because I was scared to not be eligible to play sports. Well, I can go back and tell my little 16 year old self, you work a little bit higher, just as much as you do playing basketball and football or whatever else you probably could have been. I was a 3.3, 3.4 student. And that was me giving just minimum effort, you know? And, and I look back on that and how much time I wasted. And now to have two postgraduate, well, two, two masters and, and a doctorate. Now I would have never, if you told me that when I was 16, 17 years old, I would have told you, no, there's no way. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You, you talk about you, you kind of build maturity with, with age and you find what you think you're passionate about, but you really refine that. So, I mean, for me, it was, yeah, I was passionate. I thought I was passionate about football and I, I really enjoy football, but it was really the team building aspect uh, that really it pulled me towards football. But later in life, I found out I don't, I can do that in other aspects, which kind of pushed me into a different direction. Um, and I, I suspect knowing you a little bit, uh, you, that's how you've kind of translated those same skills of constantly working, constantly getting better. Um, that I, I call it an achievement kind of thing. You, you, you search for that achievement. So I, I think, yes, you can find that sometimes in football and trying to become a better coach, but I, I have a feeling you don't do well being bored sometimes. Would you, would you say that's probably accurate? <laughs> Yeah, we, we were talking about that today. We were actually talking about you a little bit earlier today, and we were setting some similar. It's like, you know, you sometimes you got you want to do coaching, and along those lines, you have set, since found some other passions and different avenues that kind of linked up. Well, so I, going back full circle, when I was asked about my, some of my greatest accomplishments in my life, you know, I've, I've accomplished several things that only a small percentage of population of the world is even a comment. I've been a first round draft pick and I've gotten my doctorate and I tell people from an individual standpoint, personally, me getting my doctorate was a greater feat than being a first round draft pick. And the only reason why, don't get me wrong. I'm very appreciative of it. And I know how hard that was. And don't, and I put a lot of work into that, but that was more natural because I, it was easy for me to work hard for sports I knew I, if I got up at five, I still get up at four thirty and go work out. You know what I mean? So I, I know that part of life. I know go lift weights. I know go run. I know study my playbook. I know take the extra rep. I know go catch balls after practice. I knew all that stuff, but the academic piece, I didn't understand, didn't know. And what I didn't, what I realized, I should say, after the fact, when I, why I say it was a greater feat than going first round is all those same attributes and, and things that I have, in me from being a professional athlete, I had it to do something academically. And that's why I was able to get my doctorate at 40 years old or 40 plus, I should say. So, you know, and it's interesting, we are all gifted with certain skills and sometimes we use them and not to their fullest extent. It wasn't until I actually went back to school that I was like, Oh, that's right. These are the same skills, perseverance, grit, determination, all that stuff that helped me be a professional athlete. I was able to transform that and use it academically and go get my doctorate. Yeah, and that's a that's a great accomplishment as well. And we talked about earlier about you know if we could go back and talk to our younger selves. I don't know if I would, and, and I say that because my, my passions now are, are the kids, are my kids, and, and 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 delivering that over to them and showing them through that. So you found out through your perseverance and your, your grit and kind of relating to those is now my goal is to relate to them that yes, you can do this. And here's how I know it's because I failed at this or I didn't work as hard. Now I can try to relate to them. And as we talked about earlier today about being better uh, than I was, and I think I had a pretty good childhood and a pretty good life, but uh, you know, I want even better for them. And so if, if I was able, I got my undergraduate, uh, I want to push my kids to get to the master's and get to their doctorate and those kind of things. And I'm very, very super proud to know that you, you went back and you did that and that that's a, a great accomplishment for you in your life and everything that you've got going on now. It's something really to be, to be remarked about that, that you are in this small, I, I would say a very small uh, percentage of NFL first round pick and doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been, I've been told that a quite a, quite a bit, you know, cause I, I do realize it, it is a small fraternity, if you will, of, you know, being a first round draft pick, 
let alone being in the NFL. You know, there's there's only 32 picks uh, in the in the National Football League that can every year that can say they're a first rounder in in 100 years. You know, however many picks that is, even before there was even 32 teams. But anyway, so I do understand the rarity of that. But there's not a whole lot of guys can they can say. They were drafting first round. It also has what what one percent or two percent of our population has is what they go by the name doctor. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate and appreciative of that. And and you know, it's something that I feel like that's part of this process as we're talking about it. Talk about writing a book. Talk about starting a podcast. Talking about transitioning in other phases of my life. And as I'm growing as an individual, that's what I'm realizing is the real substance of who I am and just who the human beings are. Or who 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 people are. It's not necessarily where you start; is where you where you in, where you head, and it's right. that journey. And I and I'm I'm still growing as an individual. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, uh, and and I've I've trying to grow from those and learn from those as an individual. And I think that's why I've been able to nestle myself into education the way I have because I have so such a wide variety of experiences from being a poor kid living in cinder block projects to being in the national football league and, and having literally millions of dollars in it to my disposable, if you will. And now being somewhere in the middle as, as a, as a worker working class individual for the past several years, you know, I, I've, and I've, you know, bumped elbows with a lot of different people from all walks of life. And, and it's just, it's, and I'm fortunate. And I, and I realize those experiences have made me and how fortunate I am to actually have those experiences and now it's time for me to take those experiences and share them. And that's why the transformation is coming as far as my growth as an individual the last several years. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you talked a little bit there about it. And we'll just get a little more into it here about your book you've got coming out and your podcast, uh, Three the Pro Way. Uh, fill us in a little bit about both of those and, and when to maybe expect those because it, it sounds like some great concepts and I'm really looking forward to being able to listen to and read that. Well, the book has been... <laughs> You know, I've been writing a book for a while. It, it is funny. You, you see movies or stories. You hear people talk about writers and, and their process. And some people can knock out a book in a month. And I'm going to tell you, when I started, I, and that was the hardest part, just like anything else. Once I, when I started, I knocked off like four chapters real quick. I mean, it might have been five. And of course, it was easy. I, I talked about growing up, talked about the Museum Miracle. I talked about different things. It was pretty easy. Then I, work, I, I, I managed through a couple different other ones. And then I... And then you put it down and then, you know, then, then I'll do it tomorrow. The tomorrow turns into a week, the right? Week turns into a month. And, you know, before I know it's been several months and I just need to, and I have ideas. I just need to go put them down. And so, you know, far as that's concerned, cause I have people that want, have been asking me for it, uh, that want to edit it, that want to publish it for me. I just got to go do the work right. and get it all done. So that, that's, that's a work in progress. We'll put it there. Uh, the, the, the uh, podcast is something that's been kind of in the works for the last couple months, something probably midway through this football season. I uh, just started talking with Joey Kent, who I played ball with, with the Titans, a former Tennessee ball, and another friend of ours who y'all know, uh, Dr. Todd Campbell, used to be the principal at Independence High School. You know, we've been friends for about 20 years and um, actually a little bit longer. But uh, And so, you know, we're evolved, trans, trans had to transform a little bit in our lives. We've transitioned from all been former athletes, all football players. Uh, me and Joey, of course, playing professional football. Uh, Todd went from football to education, was a teacher to a, a administrator, was a principal. 
um, and then had to transition to something else because circumstances. And now he's a CEO of a nonprofit. And of course, me and Joey's story of playing professional football and transition to other careers and trying to figure out this phase of life. And so we, you know, when we were talking about it, we had this concept of, you know, there's a lot of people that have similar stories. There's a lot of, I can think of even teammates or people that I've come in contact with. And, and I can even go to even teachers that started off. I got one teacher, for instance, that started off in military and, and as an engineer who found a passion for teaching and is now teaching math for me. But other teachers that have similar stories and backgrounds, where they started off in careers aside from education and have now since found their passion in teaching. And you know, I got several that are in their 60s that have only been teaching 10, 11 years. So they found it in a different phase of life, similar to me. And maybe that's why I, I kind of resonate with them a little bit. And so when I thought about this concept, I started realizing it's around me a lot more. There's a lot of people that go through different pods of life trying to figure out their passions. And some people have four or five things they do just to fit that one quote unquote passion they have. And, 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 and I think for myself, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put myself in a box and say, I'm just a football player, obviously, but I, I definitely, as I've grown as an individual, have different passions and different things that I'm interested in that I, you know, as a kid, I don't think I really was. And so, you know, we talked it out, man. And we talked about our story. We talked about people we knew with similar stories uh, and, and kind of the list of people that we feel like that we can get on, 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 uh, on our shows. We were like, man, this, it's knocked us out. And so uh, it's, it's going to be coming soon, probably in the next month or so. Uh, as, as we and you've talked, we're trying to get some things solidified or right. something, some skills that I don't have that I'm trying to, grow as an individual and um so hopefully hopefully the concept will work i've shot out some emails for a couple guests that are you know their acquaintances and not necessarily friends yet and uh that i feel like would be interesting uh just to right quick not throwing names out there and hoping that she will join us but she now is one of the most successful bourbon um, um distillers uh in the u.s who started off as a real estate tycoon in california and now she's out here in tennessee as a as a um, bourbon distiller and got is one of the most successful ones out here. So you talk about a transition from one career to another. I feel like her story is super unique. And uh, so it's just people like that, that we're really trying to reach to and, and, and get their stories out and hopefully along the way, help, help others. You had me at bourbon. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's my drink right there, boss. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to hurry up and get that out because that's one of my biggest things is hearing uh, hearing how people find their passion. I think if one of one of my things is is helping people do that. That's one of the things that kind of drives me. Um, and so that I think that's gonna be great content because you 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 actually helped me on that down that path. So um, that I think that's gonna be something everybody will enjoy doing. If nothing else, you'll have one very dedicated listener here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it as well because it's it's and our passions change throughout life, depending on like when we have kids, uh, when you get married, there's just a bunch of of, of things like that can point to that. So it's really interesting to see what those drivers are for other people, where it's just they 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 made a decision one day that life was gonna be different. Was there an outside mitigating factor that came in and, and did that? So that's that's a really good concept. I'm very excited about it as well. Well, I appreciate that too. And, and the other part of it is we are three African American males too, uniquely enough navigating, as y'all know, everything that's going on in the world right now right. too. And, and, and consideration of the stereotypes and things and the insurrection and all this other stuff that's going on in the world. We are African American males that have, you know, overcome 
whatever circumstances there may be. And, and so that's unique in, in itself as well. All athletes and all have at least an undergrad degree. Uh, so it's just, you know, dispelling the whole stereotypes that comes with being African-American male. And so uh, it, it, it's, you know, something I'm excited about, you know, in, in this day and age at 45 and getting excited about something new is, 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 is priceless, you know, and, you know, and I, again, we, and you guys have done this for a few years. And I remember doing your show a few years ago when I was at Independence and, and you guys have, have grown even from this standpoint and going back to Jonathan's point, I remember when he came to me about coaching, knowing he had never coached and I gave him an opportunity to do that because I could see that in him. I, I just love people that are willing to grow. I, I just love people that are willing to put the work in to get better. And I think that's part of what is missing a lot. And I want, that's what I want, whatever audience we have listening, I want them to be able to take that from us is like, it, it's not going to just be, peaches and cream all the time, man. You're going to have some bumps and bruises. You're going to have to figure some things out. And you know what? You might figure it out later in life. It might not be the right choice at the at that time, but later in life, it might, you're like, man, it's funny how things worked out. Now I'm, I'm really finding my stride, feeling where I'm, I'm, I'm at where I should be. And, you know, so hopefully we, you know, we inspire some people along the way. We're looking forward to it. And it's definitely going to be a great perspective uh, from y'all. So switching gears here just a little bit, that's what all you've got going on. Let's talk about a little bit of your past as far as, since we are the coach's corner, we do have to, we do put coaching spin on as much as we can. Um, I'm always curious to talk about, we talked about some uh, with, with Jason Spray in the off season uh, last year before the season started about some of his past experiences. He had some great stories from being at MTSU and some things that went on there. Uh, had an offensive lineman that saved a young lady from a seizure during a, uh, a meet and greet situation. And just talking about some of that back and forth and just through your coaching experience, have you ever seen like, and stuff you stole from like, what would you uh, like good moments from coaching? You have any stories like that where you really saw somebody and that this is what developed me. This is what I stole from this person. Was there any good experiences that you had from, from coaches around you either that coached you or that you worked with? Mm, man, there's golly, there's so many, you know I mean? I think coaches, you know, they, we get coaches get kind of a bad rep sometimes cause they it's sport, right? They don't think you really teach in life. But I don't know too many, and I'm going back to my education right now. I don't know too many principals that do that do not have a sport background. They did not coach, and why? Because we know how to persevere. We know teamwork. We know discipline. We know work ethic. You know, and I I think there's so many positive attributes you get from playing sports. So to pick one coach, it would be hard pressed. For me to say that because one coach, I feel like all of them have an influence on me one way or the other, you know, and I take bits and pieces and I find myself having sayings from all like Coach Fox when I was with the Carolina Panthers play a Super Bowl with them. And I was only with them for one year, but I use a saying he used to say all the time and I, I keep that in mind every day as I try to get better every day. He always used to tell us every practice, man, like, hey, what are you going to be today? A football player never stays the same. You either get better, or you get worse. You don't stay the same. And so I keep that just state in my mind, you know, and then I can go back to my college receiver coach, Fred Grays. He just taught me work and precision and doing things right. Every time I can remember running a route, he was like, you have to go outside. You got to get an outside release. And he jumped way outside. And I, there's no way. The only way that I was like, I got to go inside. It made sense. He was like, no, go outside. He pulled me back three times. And his whole thing in that point was you have to do your job. Sometimes your job is to be the decoy. Sometimes your job is to open something up for your teammate. If you take the easy route, 
the play doesn't work. You're not going to make it. You're not going to help the team be successful. And so it was little lessons like that that I got from little bits and pieces and coaches along the way that I feel like has helped mold me as, as a person. Uh, I, even back to when I was playing little league football and soccer and basketball, just, you know, and I think that's the influence that coaches can have and even teachers. And sometimes, and I, I tell my teachers now, you know, kids are going to remember you. And this is a matter of to you, to which way, to the good side, to the bad side, you want to be rememberable. And if you're not, then you're not doing something right. And so, and you, and you too, if I asked you right now, tell me two teachers that had an impact on your life and you could probably name two right quick. And there's something, one might be good. One might be, one might be bad, which I bet you, you can name them because of something they did for you or to you. And the same thing for coaching, you know, you, I can, I'm sitting there thinking two or three different coaches, as you mentioned that, that just come to mind. And I'm like, man, he did this, he did that. And it's just, it's, it's a remarkable the impact of, of coaches can have on, on a young man's life or young lady. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's real important. Especially when, like you said, that young, it's those memories do stick forever. Cause I've got memories that stick for me. It's the good ones uh, do stick with me as well, but the ones that really stick out are the bad ones. And, and they were bad all the time. But it was the one or two bad instances that always stuck out the most to me that made me remember that, made me think, oh, geez, I don't want to do that. And it always comes back to the ones who yelled to yell, right? I don't want to generalize anything, but it was always the ones to me that just wanted to yell to yell. They thought they had to get their point across by just yelling everything at everybody. And it's kind of, and Jonathan, you're famous for this because I I stole this from you and I apologize, that it's kind of hard to coach someone when 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 you're talking to them in a message that's the same level the entire time. There's no escalation from there and there's no de-escalation. If it's all the same, how do they know what's important and what's not? And I just didn't mm-hmm. think that was a great way to, to come across. That's that's one of the big things. And I can think of a couple coaches from my past that just wanted to scream and yell the entire time. And it never was, it never worked out as well. So it's the positive, but more importantly, don't be the negative. You never want to be that negative for anybody. So I definitely agree there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you both have coached with me. And that's one thing I was very mindful of, you know, when I, I coached you, but when I raised my voice, because it was so far and few in between, they knew, oh, mm-hmm. nice and serious. That's what I stole from Jonathan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah because I don't, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to coach you, you know, and then when I was like, man, you know, I, I'd raise up, they're like, okay, now he's, he's upset. And and I think it loses its substance. If, if you're always just dog cussing a kid and carrying on, like you, that stuff didn't have impact on me. I, at, at, at some point, they're going to turn a deaf ear to you. And I love that, that, that analogy you made, because you, you have to have the highs and lows. You can't just stay that even that even set because they won't listen to you right and if you're always high they're not gonna listen to you if you're always low they're not gonna listen to you so i do believe you got to change the octave a little bit on, on, on especially in coaching and even you're both fathers i do that with my own kids at home you know right. when when i raise my voice my kids like oh yeah. i say go brush your teeth and it's like oh that's okay he's serious now let me go brush my teeth you know so the dad know, voice it, it works it works. Kelly gets so mad. My wife gets so mad too because she'll be she'll be talking to her five minutes and I'll, I say one sentence and the tone changes. <laughs> and they run. Hey, that's why I, I don't have to do nothing else but raise my voice sometimes. And she and my my wife Rosa gets mad at me about it too. Like that's the dad thing. It's the dad effect. It just it happens. Well, I I love that you brought up like your kids because I think that's one of the things I didn't you didn't mention, I know it's important to you is the, the human aspect, the connection of when it comes to coaching is that, yes, you have people that um, you, you think, Oh, well, you're doing this just to go win a game. And there's some truth to that. But in my, from what I've seen, the best coaches and they, they do it in different methods, whether it's through yelling too much, in my opinion, or, you know, not speaking up enough, the best coaches are the ones that do have that human connection and are actually 
taking the time to coach you in the way you need to be coached, not just because they saw a high school football movie one time and they're trying to emulate that dude. Um, so I think that's a huge thing. That's, I love you talking about it being your kids because it's, it's the perfect that it's the perfect analogy because you may snap at them. You may put them in the corner, but you still care, obviously. You know, and John, to your point, man, I, I remember uh, one of the reasons why I, I, I decided to move out of coaching was I was also, I, I wouldn't say selling my soul, but I felt like I was making concessions for stuff that I was holding dear to from a disciplinarian standpoint and what I felt like made a good team. Oh, he didn't miss practice. It's okay. I'll just suspend him more. He cussed out a coach. I'll just, you know, and I, I was, and it, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily for wins. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was, I didn't want to, the conflict with the parent. I don't know. I just, I was like, that's not my ideal. It's not how I was raised and how I was brought up. That's not how I was coached. So why am I caving in on stuff that I hold true to? And it goes back and, and I'm not necessarily the parents, but I am their coach and I was not teaching them the right way. So, you know, and, and I was, you know, we were talking about the off season, getting ready for the next season. And, and had, like I said, if, if Dr. Harrell had asked me a month later, I'd have still been coaching because I'd have got over all that and I would reset and, and, and got my, my morals together, if you will, or my norms together. And I would have reset and said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sell myself short on this. I'm not going to accommodate for that. This is what we're going to be. Uh, but I wasn't doing that. And that's not how I was brought raised or coached or anything. So absolutely, man, it, you know, cause you care. I mean, I can, I can name a kid right now, wide receiver, Kenton Brown. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I mean, that, that was my son, man. And I made a lot of concessions for him and to the right. I mean, he has since come back and thanked me. And, and and quietly and seen him and you know that was a kid that could have easily been written off. He was constantly in trouble. He had, he had been dismissed from the team for a little while, but you know what? I made that boy flip tires for about three weeks every day during practice. I remember that. And he did it. And he flipped and he showed me he wanted to be part of the team. You know what he ended up being? All district football player. And so and and that he earned my respect more so than about about any other kid in there. Because here this 120-pound wide receiver flipping a tire that weighs as much as him all day in the heat. And he showed he wanted to be out there. And that's all it took for me to get that respect back from him. And isn't that kind of cool how, like, that's the co- that's coaching, right? Because isn't that, that's that's one of your fondest memories from coaching, not winning a big game, not putting up big stats, not that that right there is probably one of your favorite moments. Like, for me, it's it's we talked about earlier, Greg Young, and the success we had at a 180-pound soaking wet guard who held his own game in and game out because we were able to coach him up and have that faith in him and, and, and not be the typical coach and say, you're not big enough to play offensive line. And he gave us all. We recognized that he was the best player for that spot. And just enjoyed watching him grow from that first time getting flipped over basically in a drill and into almost I, I would say one of the best cards in the in the uh, area uh, yeah. towards the end of the season. So like that's my one of my proudest moments. That and uh, coaching a kid in JV who couldn't who couldn't uh, complete a pass on his own and stayed up behind him and watched him complete six touchdowns in a JV game. Uh, mm-hmm. But I digress. That this is those moments right there where you can you can really make a difference in a kid's life. That's the the really cool stuff instead of like the oh we beat you know Brentwood with a a, a, a sideways punt down to the one yard line, which also is cool, but you know. <laughs> but I, I'm glad you said, man. It, it, that's the stuff I do miss about the coaching aspect of it. I do miss those moments, uh, and, and, and I don't know if that ever goes away. You know, I, I miss playing, but I'm okay. I miss coaching, and I'm and I am okay. But when I think about what I am missing, and again, I'm coaching my son, so I'm getting bits and pieces of it, but. 
the, the X's and O's, all that stuff aside, man, it's those moments like that, man. And I and I think about that. I think about some of the kids that have come in our, in our into our team and situations, and like Tommy, Tommy is linebacker. I mean, he was dealing with a lot, and he 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 was going against the odds too to even finish out the season. And he did, you know, I can just name guys and guys. So sometimes, man, and I was caught in that mode when I transitioned them to full-time administration, I was so focused on the few that I forgot the many. I was so focused on the few bad eggs or bad situation or bad parents, if you will, that I lost sight of the good. And I, and the bad took such a toll on me that I was like, it's time for me to do something different. And you know what, as it would be, it was the right decision for me. And so sometimes, sometimes circumstances, they work themselves out to, for, for your benefit. And you know what? It was the right move for me. I've grown so much more as an individual um, over the over the last six, seven, eight. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's been it's been eight years. Um, so I've, I've, I've grown a lot. Same. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to that for sure. So real quick, I know that we also are a Titans podcast as well. You got a lot of that going on. So yeah. make sure you look for the three, three, the pro way coming out. That's going to be awesome. But uh, rapid fire real hit real, real quick here to close out just some Titans talk. What are your overall thoughts? If you just put it in one line or, or two about their season, just overall for this, this Titans team. Mm, golly. First of all, let's start with King Henry. That was the quietest 2000 yard season. I think I've ever I been around and I've seen, we've seen, I'm 45. See Davis. Let's see. What's the name from Tennessee? Um, I'm just trying to uh, now. Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. Lewis. Of course, CJ, Adrian Peterson, and of course, now King Henry. His has to be the quietest 2,000 yard season ever. And I don't know if it was because he was so far away from it that last game that nobody thought he was going to make it, but it wasn't even part of the conversation, which was weird. Um, so that alone was so, was, Astounding to me. That was remarkable. A 2,000-yard rusher, uh, offensive player of the year. Uh, I felt like offensively, they 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 grew a lot offensively. Uh, in, in, this, in this year, the pandemic and, and things like that, I felt like they got a good nucleus of players. I would love to see them keep Corey Davis. I think when you have a good one-two punch, um, it's, it, it, especially a receiver that complement each other. You can maybe go get another guy in the draft like that, but then you got to worry about the ups and downs with him. Corey's finally on that trajectory that's up um, as far as the, the up and down roller coaster he's had. He's kind of trending up. Um, so while he's trending up, that, that makes him his money go up. So how much is he worth? Um, I feel like you go an opportunity to sign him, go ahead and sign him. A.J. Brown. Um, the best first-round draft pick to come through the city, hands down. I think from top to bottom, and I was a first-round draft pick, so I feel I feel like I can I can say that um, what he puts, what he does for this team, uh, his run after catch, his strength, his hands. Uh, I, you know, he, he still got to work on his routes a little bit, um, but that'll come with experience. And as they move him around a little bit. Uh, he's just a remarkable football player. I, I I really enjoy watching him play. I mean, I envy him. I'm like, man, if I if I had strength like that dude, man, goodness <laughs> gracious, that's a that's a grown man playing wide receiver. Um, offensive line, you know, for going from the laughing stock of the team to one of the strengths of the team, even without Taylor LeJuan, um this year, you know, you can't speak enough to how they how they transform themselves. Throughout that year, they've gotten they got a lot better. Uh, defensively, there's a lot of work to be done. They, I, one thing about the National Football League, in order to win 
and win consistently, there's a couple of positions that you got to be solid in. And a pass rusher and quarterback is probably the two main. You know, I, I feel like you can always receivers become a dime a dozen. Running backs now, most everybody does it by committee. Um, corners, you can you, that's probably my third position. You got to have a solid corners because they, they throw the ball so much. You got to have some solid guys that can cover. But pass rush and quarterback, you have to make sure you're solidified in those positions. Now, it would would you have told me Tannehill would be in that mid to upper echelon of quarterbacks in that football league before last year? No, but I feel like right now he's in that you know that. 16 and up number. I don't know because that's right in the middle. He's kind of depending on where you put him at. I feel like he's up the top half of that of the 32 starting quarterbacks right now. Um, but they don't have anybody to get the quarterback consistently um, that can go and give you a double digit sack um, season. And so I think they got to address that. JJ Watt being in that conversation. I don't know if he's a 10, 10 sack guy anymore, but his name, his presence, his pedigree, his his past, he, he brings that conversation to you, and you still have to address for him because he is such a such a remarkable football player. So uh, we'll see what they do. I still think they need some cover guys um, on the edges. Um, you know, I, I I'm a man from USC. I I, I forgot his name. Adori. Adori. Uh, Adori. He's I. You know, I don't know what to do with an offseason to get healthy, but he did not look like he's he's kind of regressed. Um, in my yeah. opinion, um, and, from and, year one to this year, uh, it's almost like he's gotten a little bit worse. And, and they've taken less up, taken more, taken less from him. Like he's not even returning kicks anymore. So that's not even an excuse he can use. Uh, health could be the quote unquote excuse, but uh, you hope, he right? Look, I mean, he you, you hope that's it. You hope, yeah. He didn't look competitive at all this year uh, for the most part. Butler at least competed, but is he a lockdown number one corner? In my opinion, he's a solid number two, three corner. Um, I think the safeties are solid. You're good there. Um, but, you know, I, I just, to me, defense is where you invest and, and see where you can, what you can get. I mean, the thing you worry about with the Titans is like, yeah, King Henry had the gr- great season and everything, but. And he is a freak of nature, but you're at a running back position. That shelf life is a whole lot shorter. And you just hope that they didn't just waste the season with what they had at offense. Because right. look, if that defense, I said it on the show, if that defense is just bad, then it's they, just they bad. maybe in the Super Bowl. They don't, I'm not even saying average. They just got to be bad. Instead, right. they you, you can make ca- case that they were historically bad when it comes to getting to, you said consistently get to the quarterback. I don't need consistently. Just just get a couple. Just accidentally yeah. show up. Because if Brooks Reed is your guy that's doing that for you, uh, if Wyatt Ray are having to sneak in and get there, you, you're just in a bad world of hurt. They made some decisions that you, you just hope – hope that that window can extend a couple more years. Yeah, I'm with you because, y'all know, running back, and we seen with CJ, after this, that 2,000-yard season with CJ, he went downhill. Same thing with Jamal Lewis. Adrian Peterson might be the only one, but even him, he hasn't had as a productive of a year as he had that 2,000-yard season, but he's had some longevity with it. You know, he's still having a pretty decent career. But uh, it's just that wear and tear. At some point, it has to catch up. And the style of play he is, the size he is, it's inevitable. He's, it's going to catch up with them. So while the iron is hot, you and the AFC, and we've seen you do some things right defensively, the Chiefs are not unbeatable. Nobody is. But I think everybody was so ready to crown the Chiefs the champion until they came up with a game plan. They kept Tyreek Hill. It kept everything in front of them, put pressure on the quarterback, and then they had nothing to do. 
And uh, so I, everybody's beatable. And you, like you said, this is their window. And they got about a, a year, two-year window. And after that, it's going to be dismantled. You know, Tannehill will be gone, too much money. A.J. Brown's going to need his money. Right. Um, you know, and then what are you going to do? You're going to keep paying King Henry the money? And he's and he's, he's and 1,100 yards is still a good season, but he's going to be a 1,100-yard rusher instead of a 19, 1,700-yard rusher at some point, right? So we'll see what they ended up doing this offseason. Johnu Smith is another guy. I really like him. I don't know if he's he's kind of a gimmick guy. I would go AJ Brown before I sign him. When I say what I mean by gimmick guy, I think they have to put him situation to be successful. He's just not going to line up and beat guys one on one. They motion him. They put him in the backfield. They they do some rub routes and things like that with him. He's more that kind of guy as opposed to just let me line down, put my hand down, or line split out, and I'm gonna beat everybody consistently one on one like a Kelsey or even even what Delaney Walker used to do. So. You know, and I know the comparisons to him, Delaney, are there. Athletically, he looks the part, but there's still some skills there for me that he's still lacking. But um, so I feel like you're talking about free agents that they need to stand. He's more expendable to me than Corey Davis. I'd agree with you there because Corey, to me, is so much more than a wide receiver for this team. The blocking, like just breaking down the film, the blocking that he gets involved with in the interior, you don't see every day. And you, and you play the wide receiver position, and you, yeah, I guarantee you, you can name you can name five guys who would never want to go in and block, and it was just not their thing. They avoided it at all costs. Uh, but Corey Davis is not one of those guys, and he is so instrumental. They will line him up in the box to block defensive ends, and he holds his own. So he brings so much more to the table than just. I'm glad the route, the route running, and the receiving, the numbers are catching up for him because he's doing that. He's he's one of the more well rounded receivers that. I've been able to scout and look at. So I'm, I agree with you there about Corey. I'd hate to lose Johnu because I, I noted Johnu Hader in his first couple of years. He's really turned me around. I really like Johnu now. He's a great uh, blocking tight end. He does well enough in routes. I think he's a good package. So, but I, between the two, I'm definitely with you on Corey Davis. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious because I, I was kind of been uh, riding this train for a while since last offseason. And AJ Brown is great. Corey Davis, let's assume he comes back. Or they get an equal replacement right there. Can you just talk about what a true speedster of some sort doesn't have to be a number one wide receiver? I know they have Khalif Raymond and they got bats, and they're great as undrafted guys uh, to have on the roster and whatnot. But like a true speedster, you look at Kansas City has a different offense, I know, but look, they had Tyreek Hill, they went and still got McCole Hardman. Speed mm. changes things, and when you look at how AJ Brown thrives. Uh, with those underneath routes that he can break tackles because he's such a big body. If those safeties have to respect that speed, you just talk about that a little bit about, and, and am I wrong? Am I wrong on what that could really do to this offense to open it up? Well, I, I think it's twofold. I, I think there's also, you know, speed is one thing. Those guys are, they're, they're few and far between, you know, there's, there's, there's speed, which everybody has. Corey Davis was a four, three guy as well, but then there's a different type of speed, like Tyreek Hill, Hardman, like that, that's they just not they're not in everyday situations like you just don't have those guys just laying around right is you know so so but there are ways to get vertical there are some like for instance you know you look at New Orleans Saints New Orleans Saints don't have a burner but the, he's putting up five thousand yards every year passing the football he found ways so and I think that's schematics and, and some of the things you can do you can do so I'll be interested to see what they do with the new coordinator um, this coming year and how they can utilize some of these guys' skill sets. And I, and I think also you look at even with KC, you 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 create a lot of situations because their best player, their best pass catcher is Kelsey, the tight end. He's a matchup problem. So that also creates some vertical game that you can do because you got to make sure safeties are aware where he's at because he can also get, get vertical even though he's not a 4-2 guy. 
So I, I think there are some, some, yes, there's some truth to what you're saying. If, if you can get that, every team would love that. But name me another team besides KC that really has two or three guys like that, or even one that's just come, like Tyreek Hill's just, that's just a whole different, that's a different type of guy. You know, uh, yeah, I'm big on not comparing to anomalies, and I compared it to an anomaly here. I went way <laughs> up here, but I, I broke my own rule. Yeah, uh, yeah if Tyreek Hill was available, but um, yeah, I just think that the you don't have to be a number one kind of guy, but having someone that I, I, I'm don't get me wrong, I love Cam Batson and the way he plays the game. He plays <laughs> like he plays like he's a foot taller than he is, but same thing with Khalif Raymond. Sometimes physics just wins out. Yep. Like, and they're not scaring anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, and again, but there are ways to do it. Um, you got to take shots, you know, and don't get me wrong. I don't think Tanny Hill was shying away from it at all. I, I just, I don't think they were necessarily shying away from, it. but there's ways to create that fear without having that four, two guy. And you got to take shots. And when we had Delaney Walker on the inside, he seemed to be more consistent, be able to get vertical than even John knew who I feel like has that ability to do that. He, he seemed to be more in the game plan with vertical game than John knew is. Uh, so there are ways to do it. Uh, I just, you know, now if I don't try to think who's coming in this draft this year that you would expend that money on, say if you let Corey Davis go and you would pick the Titans have 28, 22, 22, 22. I'm trying to think. I don't know if Amari, what's his name from uh, Clemson? Uh, what's his name, son? Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers. He's a he's a he's a dual threat return guy. I don't know if he's he's not Tyreek Hill fast for sure, but he does bring another element to your game. That you have to respect. So uh, I, I don't know. I just don't know. If, but again, you're talking about a college kid coming to the pro game and the impact that he will or will not have on his first year. When you're talking about a team that's close. In, especially in AFC to uh, uh, get back to the AFC championship game. And then it's just one game series from there. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, the closest thing to a surefire speedster in this is probably Jalen Waddle. I mean, yeah, he had the leg, but I mean, yeah, they're not going to cut. They're not going to be close to drafting him though, unless yeah. they trade up. Yeah. Yeah, not, I think Tony's yeah, he, one I've seen uh, mocked a little bit. If people go receiver that early for the Titans, I've seen him available in some drafts around that 22 pick. I personally don't, want them to do that because I think there's greater needs uh, edge being the the first and foremost. And there's some names that I think is a deep edge class coming out of college, but again, it's college kid going to the pro games who, who knows how they're going to develop. You can, you can spend, especially in these COVID times talking to kids in an interview and they can really, you know, as obvious as it was this year, pull the, you know, pull the wool over your eyes and just be a completely different player when they, when they get to Nashville or to their, to their team. So it's just one of those things where you take your chance, you try to do the best you can, which is why I kind of want to see John Robinson go back to sign one draft one. And so you mm-hmm. can, you kind of cover yourself like, Lawson's going to be available in free agency this year. I would, I'd like to see them make a run at him because I think he's a very undervalued pass rusher in the NFL. I think he's very good at technique wise and getting there and then going and drafting a guy. There's, there's been a lot of names. Uh, the Patrick Jones kids out of, out of Pitt's been, been mocked later in the draft to the Titans. So you can kind of play around with that and get some good value out of some of those, depending on what's available at that 22 spot. Yeah. yeah I'm, I remember me and Jonathan, we talked about this like nine, 10 years ago, maybe it was a little bit longer than that with, with Andrew Luck. And we were talking about the draft and Jonathan was like, man, he's supposed to be like a surefire thing. I was like, man, there's no such thing in the national football league. Right. He was like, he's the first, he's the, what they say, Jonathan, like he's the first surefire draft pick since Peyton Manning or something. Yeah, close like, to close. So I remember close the exact to, language, yeah. but it was something along those lines. Right. And so me and him were making this argument. We we're having this conversation. He asked me my opinion on it. I was like, man, I just, you know, it's that NFL, man, it's a different animal. You just don't know. And, but then you saw him 
compete in what he did, you're like, well, dang, they weren't wrong with him. <laughs> he was a sure fight. Now he didn't win the championship. And if he hadn't, if he had any kind of offensive line up until the last couple of years of his career, he may still be playing, still be at that elite level. That he was he he was destined. Like he was a good football player. So going back to that point, you know, especially at 22. You know, I, again, I don't even know if number one picks are guaranteed anymore. You know, it's so, it's so much. It's, the science of it all is it's 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 hard to really gauge it. But at twenty two, you just want somebody that's productive and is going to and, and going to add to your team, which you feel like is already a pretty good football team. And so for me, my needs, my priority needs, as well, depending on Corey Davis, but my priority needs would definitely be the edge rusher. I like to sign one, draft one. I do like that. I, I got to get me a corner. You know, there's there's some corners in this draft that might be there at 22 that I feel like can end up being some solid cover guys, if not some shutdown guys that you can do some things with. And then, depending on Corey Davis, you might be able to get you, as you talked about, Jonathan, a, a threat, a guy that kind of can – he might be kind of a project. He might not be your number one guy but he's going to compliment A.J. Brown on the other side and make people think about him, you know? And I don't even necessarily need that guy to be 60, 70 catch guy. I just need you to be that one or two catch guy game where you're going down vertical and people are like, oh, no. And I, I had a teammate like that, Chris Sanders. Chris Sanders wasn't necessarily a 100 catch guy, but people knew where he was on the field. Got that joker out. can run, you know? He can run. They knew where he was. So, yep. you know, and that's sometimes that's all you need. Well, and you talk about that edge rusher. I mean, if the Super Bowl taught us anything, if it's the – you can go all the way back to when the Patriots were lighting it up on offense going against the Giants. When you can rush four and get to the quarterback and drop seven, you give yourself a chance. Yeah. And, you don't, and ultimately, you know, that you see the Titans and they like to disguise their blitzes and everything, and that's great and all. But uh, if you're blitzing, you're blitzing, and you're leaving less on that back end. So – and. That, that's all that the that Tampa Bay did. They just whooped them up front, and ultimately the game spreads out, game gets faster, but if you win in the trenches, that's still how you do it. So. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's where the game starts. Big success for the Titans' offense was up front as well, even with the, the two injuries at left tackle this year. Still able to protect Tannehill for, for, you know, for the most part. Still get a 2,000 uh, rusher under it. Unfortunately for me in the draft, either this year or next year, they're going to have to start. They're going to, have to start addressing interior. Casaffold's getting up there. Ben Jones is getting up there. Uh, right tackle at some point in time has to be addressed. So there's a lot of stuff to address. But hopefully for this window, like we're talking about, they take a look at those real glaring needs. Because as you stated, you've, you've got some nice pieces on that defensive front. Uh, if they can get some more pieces around them, uh, Simmons can really be a monster uh, when he has stuff around him for sure. Yeah, I think he's a Pro Bowl defensive tackle waiting to happen. I just think his speed, his power, his agility, um, given the given somebody on the other side that can give him pressure, he can he could be a double digit sack guy from the interior. You know, uh, there's there's a few guys like that in the National Football League. You know, obviously, you know the the best in the game right now. And I'm not even gonna mention his name because he's just that's again we're talking about those anomalies, right? Like yep. he's like a whole other category. You know, yeah. you don't even mention him. Like that's built like a building. Good grief. Yeah. And, and he's getting 15, 16 sacks as, as a one technique. Like, that doesn't even make sense. You know, there are one or three technique, whatever he's in. And that's just – take him out the picture. But Jeffrey Simmons can be similar in the sense – I feel like he could be eight, nine, ten sack guy given he has help. But right now, if I can – I call him three-hand guy. He's a three-hand guy. I got 
my primary guy and I can put one hand on my other guy that's helping one hand helping him while I'm still blocking the other guy off the edge. So I don't, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like tackles can still semi one and a half. He's getting one and a half blockers because the other guy's not getting pressure on the other side. And so until he gets those one-on-ones complete one-on-ones, he's just kind of going to be four or five sack guy and not have the impact that I feel like he's capable of. Yeah. So hopefully they get uh, some stuff around him for sure. Yeah, and I know we got to pivot, and we're coming up a little bit short on time, but I have to ask you one question. This has become my biggest pet peeve in all of football, and I need somebody either to explain something to me or uh, at least be in solidarity for me. When you were playing wide receiver, and you played in a different time, they're more physical and everything, but if a receiver or if a corner lines up and press on you and doesn't even attempt to get his hands on you coming out the line – that drives me crazy. Is there a reason for that that I have just missed? Like, why why are you putting him in press if you ain't even trying to press? Well, let me say this. I, I agree and I disagree. I, I, I agree that why are you up there if you're not going to be hands up? But here's the thing. You do have to have change-ups. It's kind of like being a pitcher, uh, being a hitter from a pitcher. If you're giving me the same speed all the time, eventually I'm going to catch up to you and then it's your toast. And, and if you're giving me the same look as a corner and, and, and I'm playing wide receiver, as soon as you come and bump me, I'm, I'm tapping my helmet to that quarterback, throw this over top because I already know your move. So, I, yes, I don't understand why sometimes guys don't get a little more physical, but the rules have changed too. You know, you can barely put your hands on the guys right now to call it holding. We saw in the Super Bowl against the, the Chiefs guy. How many holding buildings there? Like three of them, right? It depends game to game. It depends game yeah. to game, too. So, <laughs> And I was like, goodness gracious, they can't even touch guys anymore. But in my day, that was just football. That right. was just contact, you know. And so so there's a little bit of that. The guys have a little bit of fear to be a little more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Plus, if I'm going, if I'm 5'11", 600, 6 foot, 200-pound corner, and I got Julio Jones, 6'4", 225, runs a 4'3", with a 40-inch vertical. I don't know if I want to put my hands up too much because either he's going to, A, beat me up, two, if he gets by me, that's it's just a foot race and a jump ball with this big old joker. So you got to be strategic. So I, I'm i all about – me and Blaine Bishop talk about this all the time in our show. You know, you have to, you have to be a change ball, a change-up pitcher when you're playing corner. You can't give them the same looks. You play off sometimes and and and, and be aggressive some, and squat sometimes. You then you get in their face. You press bail. You gotta be kind of a chameleon as a corner and change up looks. Like I, I would do that with Tyreek Hill all the time. I would not give him the same look every play. I, I would not. I, I mean, of course, coverage coverage dictates a couple of things, but I would change it up on him every single time. And I, I just because he's just athletically or his speed kind of dictates that. Like, I, I'm i going to bump him, but I'm going to be smart with it. I'm going a, I'm to a press bail. The next time I might be aggressive with him, but I'm not going to give him the same look just because he, he's a touchdown waiting to happen with that speed. So, again, to your point, Jonathan, I agree. But also, at the same time, I got to disagree because the receivers and the way the offense and the league is built now, it, everybody wants offensive football. It makes it hard for the corners to be aggressive all the time. It, you just can't. Yeah, I, I, and I get that. I'm definitely oversimplifying it. 
it's just, and I know you're trying to do some change-ups there, but again, I'm about, let's start with physics. And if, if you ain't slowing the dude down and you just took away your area to run, you're in a bad spot. So it's, uh, I always say I can take away one guy. Uh, now the Chiefs are a different problem, but I, I can take away one guy. Now I'm going to position them correctly. So I don't know if I'm getting, if I'm getting up there, I'm at least putting my hands up to try and slow them down. I think to Jonathan's point too, to have a change-up, you have to at least do something different at some point in time. And if you're always going to press and not put hands, that's, that's the the same thing you're talking about that's the negative then they're like all right i'm just going to run past you and have a free go to my route thank you i appreciate it every single time yeah. well you know there's a couple level with that too and you, what you're seeing a lot of people are doing with corners especially as they're taking that athlete that that receiver that wasn't quite receiver and they put him at corner and and there's there's a level of comfort there's a different mentality that comes with being an offensive player defense player as you both know and some of these guys still have an offensive mentality, so they're not very physical themselves. They just rather pattern read. Samari Rowe would put his hands on you, but he was very efficient and very good at reading body and patterns. So he would rather you let you get your release and read you and look look at the situation. It's third and five. He would cut you, undercut you. You know what I mean? So there's some guys that kind of have that that skill set and that mind frame of being able to read you, and so they want you to get running so they can – they can steal a pick or something like that. Yeah, and I know that it's probably not relatable, but offensive line was kind of the same way for me. And, and what I try to teach is don't always be the same with your with your with your setups for pass blocking and your stance. Try to change things up because if you if you're always giving away things, you're always tipping, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So, like you're saying with that, and sometimes you try to play those mind games during games is, is to try to outsmart, outthink the, the situation, the player, and those are the real special ones. And I'm not saying that I was special. I tried it; it didn't always work for me. But you know, it's those those ones where you can see that they they works for them quite a bit like in that situation where they can understand the down and distance they can play those games they can they can really throw off a quarterback and receiver on their routes and same thing for receivers in their routes and I think we talked about AJ Brown earlier the thing that I love about him the most is that how he uses his head nods and his steps to get his advantages so I love those advantages in games and what like you're speaking to it's those little things that I, I wish the com you know the fan that just watches the game sees oh why didn't that play work I wish they would look at the little the dances you know the little creations in between the plays they really shows how things go well those are the things that i really take away from the game and enjoy yeah you one of the best commentators right now is tony romo yeah. and oh heck yeah i, I love i've loved listening to him um you know it used to irk me when i would hear like john madden or somebody say and blame somebody from cover standpoint i just give you an example that was the corner's fault no that was the safety safety supposed to be over top the safety bit on a route he shouldn't been nowhere near and he left that corner out to dry, and he just blaming. It. And of course, a casual person look at that like, oh, and this kind it's kind of a salt in the wound. It was it happened to my brother, and so that's probably why I'm a little bitter because it was my brother he was talking about. I'm like, no, Mar, he's he came up on the route he's supposed to. He's supposed to, the safety supposed to sink back, Marvin Harrison in the back of the end zone, you know. And of course, John Man Dyson got beat on that play, so you know, so I get a little salty with that kind of stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so that's why I love Tony Romo who who dissects the plays and gives the viewer a coach's view of it. And, and I love that about him. And you know, he's gotten good fast. He, he's gotten good enough that he did a Super Bowl. Yeah. 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 That has to be the worst thing about watching uh, football with um, people that haven't coached or been involved with the game much is that they'll say those same things. And you don't want to be the guy that's, you know, pushing up your glasses. Actually what happened there. And it's like, 
yeah, I'll just smile and nod and not say anything. It ain't worth it. But <laughs> yeah, so people people normally get aggravated with me because I'm sitting there talking about O line stuff and I'm talking about why the play didn't work or who missed a block or what stepped in technique technique. And they just look at me like, okay, can I just watch the game? Because you're talking about no. stuff. I'm watching the ball the ball go down the field. You're talking about a pass block that happened 20 yards back. I was like, yeah, but it was it was what made the play work. I want to talk about it. <laughs> it's gets I can understand where it could probably get annoying for some people. Yeah, and I, I'm the same way. I, you know, I just listen. I just bite my tongue sometimes when I hear people say stuff. I just, I just let them believe it. Unless they ask me specifically, then you ask me. Don't ask me if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> you don't want the answer. <laughs> it's just like the parents when you were coaching. It just came back full circle. You got to bite your tongue. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Awesome. And I go back. That's right quick. I, I go back. I mean, me and Ryan, we had just beat, we were in the green uniforms. It was homecoming. Me and Ryan walking up, happy, good game. We blew somebody. I was like 66 or nothing. Yeah. And like, you know, and Pat comes up, probably drunk as a skunk. And just, I, I almost thought we was going to punch him in his mouth, man. And the wife, she was like, his wife was like, I'm so sorry. We, me, me and Ryan just laughed. And it's like, well, it is what it is. I think I said something like, are you kidding me after what just happened? <laughs> you're you're yeah. joking, right? Yeah. And then I caught myself it thinking, is. it's not worth it. Let's just walk away. So like, but I was like, really? No, and I, I told him, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, call, I was amazed. Call, call, I remember that. Call, call I, told me I didn't know my, my arse yeah. on my hand or something. Yeah, like yeah. He didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And I remember thinking, how are you so nice right there? That, that That's just, that's baffling to me. This is crazy. It's just those kind of things there that you don't see. And, and you just, people get caught up in their own little world and they can't see outside of it. And that's just, that's the frustrating thing sometimes with, with, with parents. And, I, and I'm praying that as myself, a parent, that I don't do those things. That's going to be the most cringiest thing for me. If I look at a situation and go, oh no, I'm that guy that attacked Dyson after the 66 to nothing blowout. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I'll tell you that when, like, and I coach my son in basketball and football and, and some other stuff, but when I'm not coaching him and I sit in the stands, I will get up and go to the other end or go stand by the wall just so I don't have to hear some of the commentary. One thing that bugs me is when people get on referees. You know, I, you know, I have my, my disagreements like, oh, that's a bad call, you know, blah, blah, blah. But staying on him, and you suck, and I just can't stand it. I'm like, get off your tail and go, ref. These right. guys are making minimal money to listen to you bicker. And you don't even know the rules that, as well as they knew. You think you know the rules, but you don't even know the rules as well as these guys do it. And yet, you won't go take the time to go to the class, learn the rules, and coach. But yet, you won't scream at them because you think you know the rules. I, 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 a lot of times, I got to get up and walk out or walk away because I just can't hear it. I just, I just, that, that's another pet peeve of mine when I go to sports. That's also, awesome. I don't mind you cheer for your kid. I, even now, oh, it's a bad call. Cause sometimes they make bad calls. But when you're just constantly on the officials, I just, ooh, I have an issue with it. I just do. You know, I, you know, if they had that much impact on, on your day, on your life and your game, then you don't need to be playing sport or you're letting your kids play sport. Hundred percent agree. That's why I don't like live sports because I don't like listening to the fans yell because it's even louder and more obnoxious, obnoxious. And then with the the parents who think their kids Michael Jordan out there playing basketball, I just want to be like, it's nine and under basketball. Chill out. You know, it's it's not that it's not that crucial. Now hold on. If your if your girl throws elbows again, though, we're gonna have to talk. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story. Now that I've seen some bad parenting. I see the kid. He was throwing elbows, throwing kids. I'm like, now, now that's what you used to have a conversation about. Right. That's. You teaching him proper sportsmanship and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you can't be physical. I'm not saying you can't be a little aggressive. But he was out there hurting kids. He was one of the bigger kids. He was a, I, I don't know if he was older or not, but he was a bigger kid and he knew it. He was just 
I mean, he wasn't even a basketball player. He really was a football player. <laughs> you know, out there tackling hey, folks. Hey, <laughs> I mean, he was running through them, rebounds, kids coming off, grabbing the side of their head, crying. <laughs> I'm like, like, this dude isn't playing basketball. And I didn't hear a parent say not one time. Now, if that was my kid, I would have screamed, hey, stop that mess. I don't pull you. And, I mean, I would have said something. I wasn't going to just let him beat up on kids. You know what I mean? You know, I don't mind him being aggressive, but there's, there's a way to be aggressive without being a jerk. Right. So, uh, don't look to hurt people, for sure. I yeah. 100% agree with you there. Exactly. So speaking of hurt, I do have to end the show. We've gone over what we promised you we were going to do, but I feel like we could talk to you all night about that. And, and we'll have you on again because I think once every five years is probably way too few of times down here because we definitely want to get some updates on uh, 3 the Pro Way. It's coming out soon. Be looking for that. Uh, and I, I know you're still working out some of those where it's going to be, but it'll probably be on all the podcast places, app, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. So uh, definitely look for that as we're going. So, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Uh, any final thoughts or, or anything you want to leave everybody with? No, nah, man, anytime. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Uh, you know, I think one thing I've, I've learned on um, this phase of life, if you will, is, um, you know, people come and go out of your life, man. And it's interesting that you can sometimes just pick up with some people and you haven't spoken to them in months and sometimes even years. And I think that's unique. And I think sometimes that uniqueness comes from a common, um, whether it be a uh, passion a common like history, a past, or even coaching together, man. And, you know, us three getting on here, it's been a long time. I don't think we've all been in the same room, if you will, or spoken since I did that podcast like five years ago. And I've, I've, I've enjoyed it, man. And uh, so just keep me in mind next time, man, y'all get to talking Titans football in the fall. And um, I'll keep y'all in mind as well, man. And um, look for, just whatever, man. Just I'm gonna look for y'all to do some big things. And I'm gonna try to do the same thing as we all try to grow as we get older and gray. I think me and Ryan got similar gray going. <laughs> yeah, we y'all, do. y'all still got the baby face, man. He still got that baby face going. You got a, how you got a, how you got kids still got a baby face? Man? <laughs> hey, but I got something worse because my my son's redheaded and apparently he's like contagious because my beard comes in solid red. So I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it shaved off. I get questions if I'm redheaded. I'm having to put up like comparison shots. I know this is a redhead. So <laughs> it's you tough getting old. Distinguished. We all, it's tough getting old, but we'll get there. So we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, in closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partner with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Uh, check out the show at Coaches on Broad. I mean, JB on Broad for Jonathan, Ryan on Broad for me. Dyson, you got any social media you want to throw over? Are you. Have anybody yeah, <laughs> don't we want can to find you? Catch me at um, at KT Dyson eight seven, and now at uh, three to Proway, the number three, the numerical number three to Proway. Those are my two biggest affiliates, man. KT Dyson eighty seven, and at three to Proway. All right, check out all those social medias. But until next time, we out. See ya.